0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Fosworth Friday. Dominique Fosworth, what's going on?
1: Nah, i trying to muster up this Friday move, man. I just, listen, I, I did the same thing that you did. Ill-advised, Watch that scar-faced uh, Tiny ja- Desk just before now. It's, it's, it's moving, man. <laughs>
0: Look, man, I, I, we'll, we'll get to the sports. Don't worry. It's plenty of NFL. We're going to talk yeah. about this. I briefly mentioned the Tiny Desk on Monday show. But, dude, wrecked it, right? Like, wreck shop. So, I want to, like, hit people with a couple levels that you may not necessarily know about, right? Number one. D.C. loves Scarface. Like, when they did the shots on the NPR Tidy Desk and they showed the people in the audience rapping word for word for all that Scarface stuff, you don't understand. Like, outside of Houston, it's D.C. and Chicago. Now, the Chicago connection, that's about something a little bit different. I don't think it goes exactly the same way with D.C., but the first thing Scarface does is send a shout-out to Big G in the Backyard Band. Who's Big G? You yeah. Wire fans. That's Slim Charles. That's his band that he's in, and they used to stay doing... Ghetto Boy, Scarface covers, like at shows and everything else. So he's starting off by letting you know without everybody knowing, this home team. And then does the home team song from Houston that and I was just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. And then he gets to Never See the Bad Cry. And I'm watching it at 745. And he's talking about what it's like to die, even though he's not dead. And I'm just kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting. All these feels, all these feels. Thanks for coming behind this with fuck faces. I needed something to kind of lighten things up. But even that felt a little weighty given the circumstance. I told you before that
1: uh ghetto boys mind playing tricks on me is the first tape that I got myself. I'm hoping I don't remember exactly because I looked up the release date. I'm hoping that it was old by the time I got to it because <laughs> it said it was released in in 91. 91. I was born in 83 so if yes. I was listening to mine playing tricks on me at eight, that's, oof. <laughs> <You> <laughs> or know what nine, though? I guess yeah, that's that's rough.
0: You know what though, my mama liked my mom's playing tricks on me, and I don't. Just and you have to understand, it. I've never, I've never seen my mama voluntarily just listen to music like that ain't her bag. Like right. she li- listen to the news, she might listen to something a little, you know, with some Jesus in it, but like. I was like, she, like, my mom playing tricks on me was so big in Houston at one point that on the top five countdown, it was number two and number one, because they, wasn't nobody calling in with enough songs to fill out the countdown. <laughs> I got, ca- I got to be
1: honest. I know I deal with the song. It's, it's a lot, it's like a lot of the, um, like sexual R&B songs that we grew up listening to that used a lot of euphemisms. You didn't really, when you were young, you didn't really know what they was talking about. Like, I didn't know what Mind Playing Tricks on Me was about when I was a kid. I didn't. So, like, I I remember listening to Ghetto Boys. And then, like, when I got older and actually started, like, listening to music, I was an East Coast, like, uh, lyricist, the guy. And I had no respect for the South. So it wasn't until many years later until I actually knew what Mind Playing Tricks on Me was about and appreciated the depth and complexity. So even if I was listening to it when I was eight, I just was dancing to the tune. I wasn't, like, really (laughs) feeling it, I
0: hope. I wonder if my mama understood that, like, yo, this is a cautionary tale about the gangster lifestyle. I need to impart this into my kid and the the ones that I teach, right? Maybe that was it. I'm not really sure. Like, even at your age, you could have used some of that in there just so you understand, man, that, like, being a gangster may, in the end, make you go crazy, right? Like, this is important. Maybe that's what happened. It's so cold, though. I mean, maybe that's why I went on the straight and narrow. Maybe everybody should have
1: been listening to mind playing (laughs)
0: tricks on them before they was 10. (laughs) <laughs> it was so cold. Like, 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 the beat is perfect. Scarface is regular. Like, every song, it felt very spoken word, right? Like, one thing about the Tiny yeah. Desk is everybody everybody that does it is really good at making you feel like you're in this small room, right? Like, they bring you in very, very close. I am waiting for somebody, though, to get on there and decide instead to turn it into, like, a big budget production that you don't understand. Like, they act like it's an arena, except they crowd around that desk. But Scarface is so in and present in every moment in a way that almost makes you, again, a little uncomfortable because he speaks with the detail about what it's like to die to be a man who is, you know, not dead. He gave a smile too, which I greatly appreciate. Oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm in a dark mood. <laughs> the
1: uh, the. <laughs> I, th- I mean, it's my favorite I've ever seen. Like, I feel like maybe Juvenile was next, and I'm sure there's some singy ones that people like more. But those ones spoke to me the most. I will be picking up the autobiography, so I was motivated when I'm listening to the lyrics of Tiny Desk um, uh, and like actually appreciating the complexity of it and uh, how great a writer he was. I decided I want to just take a quick peruse of the Wikipedia. I'm, I start welling up when I realize he dropped out of school and spent time in a psychi- psychiatric ward. Like is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, I'm going to get the autobiography. I know I'm going to yeah. have to read that.
0: Maybe, my, maybe one of my favorite details about the autobiography, because, you know, he played guitar in the in the, uh, in the tiny desk. People don't realize he's one of these yeah. multi instrumental dudes. But he said the first two tapes he ever got was Boston's self-titled album and uh, Dynasty by Kiss. Like he's that dude, Last of a dying breed, which is his Dare is the Dark Side, which is to say an album I love, but he don't remember because he was just using so much dope. And he said all he was doing, all, all he was doing at that time was doing dope and listening to Van Morrison, and that is like what your end result turned out to be. It does not sound anything like a Van Morrison record, guys. I mean, I
1: think about like probability of some. I, I mean, I guess everybody has their own story, and maybe some people when they become successful uh Maybe make it sound like they came from tougher times, but what it had me thinking about, and maybe this is the the bridge back to sports that we need, it had me thinking about how unlikely he is and like how um obviously talented he is, but how unlikely his success is, and uh being in a society where that stuff is valued at the right time and finding the right people and and which motivated me too to get the autobiography because I want to read the story but it just feels all so random, but also, like, unavoidable, which I don't know if I'm making any sense. But this is the mindset that I'm in. So y'all no. know how good the desk is. I'm just out here swimming, and I'm not high.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. It had me thinking about, like, two things on a similar front. Uh, number one, sorry, kids. Our rappers are so much better than yours. Yeah. Like, it's just not. And part of it is. They were building something, right? There was no blueprint to really go from, right? Like there was no Scarface or Scarface to sound like, you know, and there's there's also, I'll never forget this, and I already kind of messed with him a little bit about this, but if a man Clarence is listening, I want him to hear this again in case any of my other people. So I went out to Claremont, California for graduate school. So this is after I've done I grew up in Houston. I did 4 years in Atlanta. And when I was in Houston, I was like you, man. I was more inclined toward, you know, East Coast, like lyricism type stuff, like not yeah. exclusively, but that was my inclination. And then I got to Atlanta in 1997, and then New Yorkers was coming down, <laughs> and quite honestly, man, these motherfuckers was out of pocket. They was they was yeah. they was misunderstanding who was at home and who was playing role games, and it turned me into a bit of a militant And like, I I appreciated Scarface before, but I really got there. And then the fix came out and the fix was just like, oh, this is it. But I remember I'm out there in Cali. I'm with these boys and it's like super fancy schools. Right. So I'm not saying anything about these boys relationship with their blackness, because honestly, that varied in case to case. Right. The cats I'm talking about, they was they didn't matter where they was at. They knew what time it was with them. They had access to the culture, whatever it is, right? They wasn't like, it was some people in Claremont who had never been around as many black people as they had when they got to Claremont. These people I'm talking about were not living in that front, right? But they was, they was smarty art about their music, right? Like their taste was very, it's one thing to be like, I'm on the lyricism kick, but like they liked Talia a little too much. Right, like they was out here, they was out here rooting for all them syllables, right? Because they wanted to feel like it was on some high minded. And I'm from the south; we we connect in a different way. It don't necessarily need to go there. And them cats was trying to be disrespectful to Scarface. And the thing I thought we all agreed on was Scarface, right? Like because the East Coast cats had love for Scarface. The West Coast cats had love for Scarface. Like, that was the one thing nobody had a problem getting down with, and these cats was out here being disrespectful to Scarface, and then the, then they heard the fix, and I ain't hear nothing no more. And so when this NPR Tiny Desk came out, I sent my man the link, and I said, remember y'all tried to tell me the Scarface was whack? They weren't even just on some, like, nah, I don't dig it. They was trying to, like, inf- educate me that he was whack. They had an impression, and I was like, go listen to him rap. Right there at 53 years old, or whatever it is. And just here, so he good. is one of the great singer songwriters of all time. And the
1: point that you made so I assume that we just being old, crotchety people, like uh, how Tom Brady talking about um, football was better back in the day when you could hit people, when you say that like our rappers was better. However, you made a point that I feel like it'll give me something to grab onto, some legitimacy to grab onto. Is yeah, like the the art form is developed in a way now where it's it's hard to be as original and unique. It's developed to in a way um, economically a- as a financial engine and just as general art form. That as special as Kendrick Lamar is as a lyricist, and maybe it's also my age. I appreciate it, but it don't hit me the same way the stuff hit me when I was young. And it might be because no matter what, he is a version of someone else or an amalgamation of many other someones who were very popular because, like, I grew up loving Nas. And while Nas, you could argue, is some version of a previous rapper, ain't nobody know who the hell it was. Like, Curtis Blow and The Message was like, it was a hit. But, I mean, come on. We wasn't really listening to it. It was, that was the time period when it felt like the 90s was the time period when if there is a Goldilocks zone, like a sweet spot where, yeah, it is being, it is building on something that's happening and it is also innovating at the same time. And then you had the, like the South influx, which was like, I know Scarface was pre before that, but then the South became a whole nother style of music to me, at least that was new where I, I couldn't be my like, uh, erudite self, where I was
0: like, "Oh, lyrics, lyrics, lyrics." No, that shit made you move. Yeah, <laughs> you like, just couldn't help and, it. It was good. And that was the thing Scarface, the game up with that wasn't to make you move, part. But Mm-mm. as he said in the tiny desk about the first time he did, uh, "I seen a man, I uh, seen a man cry." Was that his voice make your back straighten up? Like you don't really hear too many people now that when they get that mic and they just say something, it's like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, you are in charge." I had the same feeling as you where it's spoken word and
1: like, I'm, I'm not a fan of spoken word generally, but it is about the words. And it's uh the, though the music was great. And I know he had some production uh involvement in all that too, because I mean, he deserves the credit oh, for yeah, that he's a credit. He
0: is a producer.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know he, he produced a lot for a, a bunch of other people and I know he produced some of his own songs, but the point about the words is, I don't even know if you would call it flow. It's obviously flow, but it's a unique flow is it's not a flow. Like there's, flow now is meant to sound like an instrument i feel like and i feel silly trying to explain this to you because i'm sure you've thought about this more complex maybe we need to get spencer on here he he is the musicologist but flow to me now in modern music is talking about like using your voice as an instrument i don't know that scarface is using his voice as an instrument but the way that he's using his voice is accentuating the words in a way that uh, the music is about the words. The music is yeah, about the pre- propping up the words. It's
0: the preacher tradition, right? Like vocally, this is an era where the minister is still like, like Chuck D gives you a lot of preacher too, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there's a, there's, and what Chuck always says is that the equipment and the technology of the time required your voice to do certain things just to make sure that people uh. could hear you. Like my, the microphone game hadn't gotten to where it is, right? But like when I think about the words, cause I was going back through on my block and some of that for me is like, I remember when I got to Atlanta in '97, and the outcast up, like there was plenty that I understood and I got, but I still didn't really speak the language. So I don't know what the '86 Lithonia is until I'm sitting there and the bus comes past and it says '86' and it says Lithonia on it. That doesn't; those are just words that I'm rapping along with while I'm there, right? So, like when he's talking about like the streets on on my block, I'm like. I don't think this can really make sense to you, right? Or like if you're not from a particular town, we talk about a yo block, you probably bred a fat pat, a Tupac, a big pun, of BI, the fat part, fat pat parts not gonna make any sense to you, right? Like you gotta have a you gotta have a, a touch in there with that place. You talk about, you know, that's about people knew him back when he was stealing beer from Shamrock. I don't even think Shamrock's still open in Houston no more. The Diamond Shamrock, that's the quarter store, right? There's so many things that to me it's like, it's so interesting when these things can catch on with other people, when the language in it is actually so particular to one place. Yeah, But we can I mean, still I get, get enough of it to feel it, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, I get you. I think that it, it makes it a little bit more resonant for those people. But the general gist of the song like that one, that touch everybody. You don't got to be so much of hip hop is about being from poverty, but you don't have to be. Like, that is just about growing up. Like, everyone relates to that. Though I don't understand all the avenues and intersections and specific places, like, I know, I, I'm thinking about my friends and I think about the things that I did, the places I played, the things that, and that beat is perfect for that, too. Like, mm-hmm. the, the beat speaks to it. It's um, it's nostalgic in a way, even though, I well, mean, it's double nostalgic now because I'm thinking about when the song came out and thinking about what I
0: was doing when I was a kid. Yeah, and yeah, perfect. Perfect sample choices. Be real black for me by Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, right? Like it gets it. Like like the the line for blackness in there is the fucker. I rock. We racing polished chrome dots. Like no no, they drive like that. That ain't them. That's us. Okay, we'll talk about some football. My bad. You guys got caught in there. Talk about it. it's Christmas weekend. NFL just telling the NBA just putting their feet all up on their couch, right? And and and, and, and you know what makes it the worst about the fact that he's putting their feet up on the couch for Christmas. The the Baltimore uh was it Baltimore Miami is that we get now San Francisco Baltimore San Francisco, San Francisco. Baltimore San Francisco yeah. okay that's a good game and it's at night after the good NBA games have already been played otherwise man they just putting their feet on the NBA couch with mediocrity.
1: They definitely are coming in and stealing the NBA's girl without even driving their best car and wearing their finest linens. <laughs> they, just, they just coming in like, she know who I am, man. Like, just, just a reminder, because normally it's like, if it lands on a Sunday, tough shit, NBA. We ain't going to move our stuff for you. If it lands on a Monday, all right, well, y'all got the whole day, but we got to have a Monday night or Thursday, the same thing. They was like, not like, this is the first time if I remember correctly, the first time that they was like, nah, we're going to play all
0: day long. (laughs) Cause they would put them on, like if Christmas fell on Sunday, they would play it on Saturday. Right. Yeah, And then they'd play on new year's day. And then the bowls would be January 2nd, like under those circumstances. Nah, man, they just decided why are we out here being nice? Right. Like why, why, why are we even doing this for these people? And so they're going to come out here with the chiefs and the Raiders and the Giants and the Eagles, and I gotta say, man, I'd be salty. Like they act like it's such an honor to play on Christmas Day without getting no time and a half. Yeah, y'all nah. don't get we don't get no time and a half for the holidays, homie. I I ain't,
1: I ain't never thought that was a good thing. I remember in college, with we, they were. Uh we play on New Year's or something, which would mess up all our Christmas and New Year's. We had to play on Thanksgiving and all that, and people be excited and, and like thrilled because you get the stage to yourself. That ain't never feel good to me. I'm good. I, I would rather like
0: eat up my ho- holiday would work. Well, I always wonder with them college teams, right? So in Mississippi, Ole Miss play Mississippi State every year on Thanksgiving Day. That's when they have the egg bowl. They have it on Thanksgiving day. And that means them boys for four years have to spend their Thanksgiving day. Ain't no going to the crib or whatever you eating Thanksgiving with the, the people on the team. And I just want to know who catering. That's all I want to know. Cause like, I'm sure they'd be living good with that training table and everything else, but I feel like I'm getting robbed on Thanksgiving day. If I got to be out here, adhere to the training table. And on top of that, It kind of reminds me, you remember when it all went bad for Randy Moss in Minnesota that second time? And one of the things Mm -hmm. that happened is they went to dinner somewhere and Randy Moss was complaining about the food. He said, I wouldn't feed that to my dog. I don't know if he (laughs) said it like that, but that was what the quote was. And then there was some anonymous quote that was like, and the food was good, too. And I'm like, nah, okay, I know what happened here. Randy Moss is speaking for the wide receivers, and that quote came from one of them linemen. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe even a quarterback. Randy Moss. Yeah. This food ain't got no seasoning in it. Like he's expecting <laughs> something different. And I'm just saying, it's possible them boys been eating dry ass. They they came for dressing, they got stuffing, and they had to do that for four years. Four years. Big mama been just hoping you could come home. Nope. At least for them, though,
1: the egg ball is a big deal. So you actually got to play in a fun, cool game. Let me tell you something about playing Wake Forest on Thanksgiving. Let me tell you a little something about Wake Forest on Thanksgiving week. Let me tell you what's happening down there in Winston Salem. Not a damn thing. College Park too. When they were when they would bring Wake up here for for that game, I, I feel like I don't know why that's the only memory I have. I feel like we always played Wake Forest on on Thanksgiving week, and it would be. Empty. Everybody would go home. No, nobody's on campus. There's a couple people in the in the stands, and we just out here just having a practice against people in other uniforms.
0: You know what? It probably was Wake Forest every year because y'all Wake Forest the only other people that they had no rival.
1: That's true. Yeah, Everybody we, else
0: got somebody to play.
1: Yeah, we used to beat Virginia's ass earlier in the season, but ain't nobody <laughs> want do that at the end of the year. It was bad. Those was dark days, man. Dark days. Some games. You ain't even care about getting no stats. Let's just get this over. Y'all know y'all gonna lose. We know we gonna win. Let's all go home healthy. All right. I
0: can't imagine the way that Virginia fans look down on you boors.
1: There's no other what's way to the, put it. You are a boorish what, bunch. What's the what's worse, being a state school that know you a state school, or being a state
0: school that tried to be a private school? Like that's so <laughs> oh no no, lame. no. I definitely prefer Maryland Burish, oh yeah, Burish over over UVA Snooty. Boy, you got a lot to overcome with me when you tell me you went to UVA. Like, oh boy, that's
1: tough. It's the worst kind of person too. Like, generally, I imagine if you were to imagine UVA as a as a human, it would be the one. Who is trying to pretend like they not from where they from? They friends, they who they friends are, and try to act like, "Oh no, I'm like them over there." No, you're not. If you don't get your black ass back over here with us, <laughs> stop it, stop it. They ain't better than us. They are different, but they ain't better than us. Be your be your state school self. It's the University of Slavery, man.
0: Like it, it, it. it it's kind of hard to like to ignore that part.
1: All the universities are the university of slavery. Yes, like, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. But, but, I live but like, not
1: far from Georgetown, and they're they fighting over that right now.
0: You're not wrong about that, but Thomas Jefferson just has a yeah. slightly different role in the name of the game of all this. Like, it just, it feels different when it's UVA, right? And now that they got, no, like, they call themselves more liberal or whatever it is, but nah, man, it's still, it's still there, man. They're yeah. still there.
1: I mean, it's, it's fine, like... Uh, yeah, I was about to name some names and that would have just been mean. <laughs> play the music, well, play we- the music, play the music. OK, let's do it. <sighs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But anyway, I don't want to come at their next. Put that aside. The only thing out of Virginia that I like, though, you, can, you don't have to play the music for this. Thomas Jones. He makes me happy. He's cool. Rest of them. Oh, um, what's his name too? Chris Canty. He went to Virginia. They are, all right. Y'all got some okay.
0: Yeah, people. that always shocks me. I always have to remember that. Yeah,
1: Chris it's always, Long. It's I like that. Chris Long. Yeah, yeah, Chris Long is cool too. It's it's the individuals are cool, but it is what they represent. It reminds me of um uh Ole Miss too, where it's like so you got recruited, you had choices, and you decided to go <laughs> to the place where they wear gray and wave the Confederate flag, right? Or used to wave the Confederate flag for who? For what?
0: Yeah, so I um I had a significant relationship once with a woman whose brother played for UVA, and I will tell you, they ain't all got they, they ain't all like some of these others, shall we say? <laughs> he he was not like them in any way.
1: I mean, they myself. they do want to win.
0: Yes, they do. <laughs> just don't, they just don't ever actually you know do the winning. But we'll come back uh in just a second. Talk some more about this NFL on the right time. Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season, and now you can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from producer Sean that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com/bomani and use code BOMANI for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, Dominique, we did talk about the NFL like ruining the NBA's Christmas, but Baltimore-San Francisco, like, Super Bowl preview, question mark? I picked Baltimore and Philadelphia before the season started. Philadelphia ain't trying
1: to do it, but yeah. You know what? I I was thinking about this and been talking about it a little bit with some people that I think you would appreciate is football is still football, guys. So all you nerds with your calculators need to look up and see who the best two teams in the game are. And they are the teams who will punch you in the face. (laughs) They are the teams who – care about scheme. And as much as we like to sh- uh, celebrate Kyle Shanahan scheme, look at them Shanahan teams. They have always been punch you in the face defenses and offenses. And the two teams that have separated themselves run the shit out of the ball and play good, solid defense. And the last thing I'll say as much as, and this I've been guilty of falling into this trap of, I don't call it trap because it's, it's valuable. Positional value when you're talking about building a roster and drafting and where you spend your money. We talk about positional value. You want to spend it on positions that can have a lot of impact, which means you don't want to spend it on running backs. You don't want to spend it on inside linebackers. The only two teams in football. Or the best two linebacker cores in football, inside linebacker cores in football, belong to the forty ers and the Ravens. And that matters because if you notice, the best way to attack teams is to attack their linebackers in the pass game. And so and then you throw Kyle Hamilton in there, who is a safety but also big as a damn linebacker and can run like uh like a safety. It's impressive. And it's just it's just a reminder that we plan we're not in quiz bowl so as much as the intelligence helps and the schematics helps and the improving probabilities helps I want it all in there I want somebody in here with a calculator however sooner or later we're going to beat somebody' ass
0: <laughs> like <it's just> <laughs> it, it, it gets there's nothing like like I said no watching that it. buffalo like I said watching buffalo the cowboys and just watching buffalo just be like we're going to run it and we're going to run it, and we're going to run it some more. Hey, man, it works. There's a reason why people was doing it all the time. It's like once you figure out you can do it, I don't understand why you would ever do anything else. We are going to run. We're going to run. Like That's the thing with the 49ers. They recognize this too because if they got to throw, they got a problem. But if they can throw while these other things are going on, then they're going to do it. And Shanahan, I'll give them this. He and his daddy, well, his daddy really was the one that really messed the game up for running backs, right? When Terrell Davis got hurt and then they plugged in Mike Anderson and Mike Anderson ran for 1,500 yards and then they got like another 1,000 yards out of Olandis Gary, er, nothing was ever the same for running backs. That's when people came to believe that they were just interchangeable and they had figured out this magical system where they were were cheating, little leg whipping going on here, right? I don't know if they still do all that stuff, but either way, they had deemed the running back was interchangeable. And then I look up and Kyle Shanahan is trading picks and giving up all this money for Christian McCaffrey. And I thought the whole point of having Kyle Shanahan was so you didn't have to do all that to get a running back. And he was like, watch this though. Watch this. Watch this. Like, I will give this to Kyle. All these people that like he's doing well enough and it's like, oh, wow, he's doing this with Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle knew Jimmy Garoppolo ain't have it. Right? Like, oh, he's doing this with Raheem Mostert. He knew he could do something different if he had Christian McCaffrey. And he went and made it happen. It's a, it's
1: a reminder that I say this all the time, uh, that absolutes are for children and for dumb people. And I think when we put out these absolutes about this is the right way to do it. These are the right players to pay. These are the right type of plays to run. The reason why we do that is to protect from dumb people who don't understand that, but actual people who are like above the average understand that You're looking for no player is the same and no like ingredient is the same. And so when you have special ingredients, do specific things for them. So, yes, by and large, overall, over the entire sample size, passing is more efficient than running. You know why? It's because running is hard. But if you can run the ball well, it is much lower risk and super efficient i'm not sure what the numbers support but i'm guessing that the turnover rate is much lower for five yard runs than five yard passes the problem is it's probably easier to throw it for five yards than run it for five yards so by and large if you are just an average coach or below average coach yes follow these rules follow these hard and fast rules because you sir are a dumb person if you are not then go ahead Get a little bit spicy with it. Get the right players and build something that you can because no one would have ever thought, like, hey, Debo Samuel, he's not quite fast enough or quick enough to be a shutdown wide receiver, but he sure is good with the ball in his hand. Let's put him in the backfield. Let's put him over here. Let's do this. Let's do that with him. Like that's you can't go to every team and say, you know what's good for you? You put your your receivers in the backfield. Go ahead and do that with Devontae Smith. It ain't gonna work. It's about special players and they know that.
0: Can you imagine if Kyle never got his hands on Percy Harvin? I feel like we've Love talked him. about this here before, but still, yeah. can you imagine if Kyle had never got his hands on Percy Harvin? Reggie Bush, yeah, I mean, there's so many of yeah. them. Although, yeah. although the fear with Percy Harvin is he might get his hands on you. <laughs>
1: uh, I get the I get the feeling that Kyle Shanahan grew up around football and loves it so much that there is a number of touchdowns that Percy Harvin
0: can score where he would forgive. That shit. Percy Harvin, I mean, (laughs) all the Percy Harvin at Florida stories, and those of you who've heard me talk about it before, to me, Percy Harvin was the real coach at Florida. And I say that Percy Harvin was the coach at Florida because once you beat your coach up and there's no punishment, allegedly, you are now the coach. It doesn't matter if it's your position coach. If you beat your position coach up and there was no punishment, it's only because the head coach ain't want to get his ass whooped too. And all the rules say you the boss now, and the boss is the coach. You the and coach. I, I don't. I
1: don't think that needs to be explained. Anyone who doesn't understand that, if you do the most wild <laughs> shit you can possibly do, and then the repercussions is we're gonna get you the ball and we're gonna let you do whatever, then yeah, you in charge. You. I mean, there is absolutely no pushback yeah i i reread a bunch of those old percy stories because of that thing i was writing and uh yeah it's it's outstanding now,
0: the idea that they was running stadium steps one day and percy harvin sat down and said quote this shit stops now unquote And the next day for condition and they was hooping that <laughs> that's how you know Percy Harvin was the actual head coach. Hey, speaking of people say, uh, who oh, run sorry. the ball. Okay, I, hold on. I'll add one more
1: point, and this might, yeah, this might springboard. It definitely could springboard us into some other stuff that I want to talk about. But um, you know who Kyle Shanahan went and got to be his general manager? He ain't get one of you nerds. He got a neck knocker loser, John Lynch, who was not covering no damn body. John Lynch was out there. For no other reason. John Lynch could not. And I don't mean this is no disrespect. I like John. I still talk to him on occasion. I went to his um, Hall of Fame party. You played with him, right? Yeah, I played with him in um, Denver. John Lynch was one of them guys. He was only on the team because he cared about winning more than he cared about him his body. And he would throw that shit
0: into Everything. It was so intense. John Lynch, Stanford grad. So I guess he has like enough like nerd bona fides there. I think I was talking to Sap about this once because I have, as an evaluator of football, never been a great John Lynch fan because like John Lynch, as you said, was not there to cover anybody. I feel like John Lynch, John Lynch got a little more. John Lynch is a ring of honor guy. That's my feeling on John Lynch, right? Saps, said the same thing you did, though. Yeah, except he's a neck knock-a-looser. <laughs> he is out here knocking necks loose. Yeah, that's what I, he came to do. He figured out that's his niche. Now, I want to know who he was hanging out with on that team. Like, after they got Brad Culpepper out of there, who was there on the defense for John Lynch to hang out with? Yeah, John. So, he was older when
1: I got to um, Denver, but... John, you know, these guys, they have so much respect that. So he was I not on oh, the Tampa team, though, yeah, before yeah, he got
0: the respect. That's what and I all was, he had was a cage face mask. I, I I got a feeling that
1: he earned that respect really damn quickly. Is that's something is as we were talking about football, no matter how you change the rules. The bottom line is. <laughs> it's barbaric. If you can if you can break people, then you are going to get respect quickly. And John Lynch could do that.
0: Yo, man, we was up in here the other day talking about how we ain't really see the hospital ball like that no more. And I was not watching this game live, but I saw the replay because everybody sent it to me. And it's like, oh, you thought the hospital ball gone out of style, huh? Garden miss shoot threw a hospital ball to Michael Pittman and he caught it. And I don't want to get into whether or not the Kazee dude should have got suspended or whatever. I don't know what he did early this year. I don't know what he was supposed to do on this play, but I definitely saw that replay. And all I saw was Michael Pittman Jr. And his neck looked loose.
1: His <laughs> neck looked really, really loose. I'm glad that he got up and uh, we can talk about this now. And we are not having a repeat of last year where we, cause it felt like we could have, um, let me tell you a little something about who I'm raising in my house, not intentionally, but it just is in his blood, I guess. As I'm watching this with my 10 year old son, and he started saying, But a receiver can't bend down like that. Is that a penalty on him? It's like, son, sir. <laughs> you we have changed this like you haven't you haven't grown up in a world where that was legal i grew up in a world where that was legal i played in the league they changed the rules while i was in the league where are you getting this from what, blaming the receiver in this like we we understand now that that's just going to be a catch but not him he was like nah he he bent down where he supposed to hit him he's not <laughs> he's not supposed to hit him anymore you you were proud weren't you a little bit but also i didn't show it I did not show it. You raised the DB. You raised
0: the DB. (laughs) You raised the DB like my good buddy Michael Felder. He's a DB. You probably feel the same way Michael Felder does about this. If there's anything in this world that my buddy Michael Felder hates, It's a little something called forward progress. The very idea of forward progress is the most offensive thing in the world to him. What is the point of it? I agree with him. It doesn't
1: make any sense. If you want to be down, then go down. If we pushed you back, then we pushed you back. You know what also annoys me is people. I mean, this doesn't annoy me because I don't think much about it, but it, it it confuses me why people generally are mad at DBs who celebrate incomplete passes, even if it was a bad throw. It is hard as shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit who did it. I'm dancing. I'm doing, a da- I'm doing the, the seatbelt, strap, handcuffs. I'm doing it all. Just so y'all know, because there are several times in the game where the quarterback looks your way, and then because your coverage so good, they look and throw it elsewhere. We don't get to dance for that either. But anyway, people just don't like DBs
0: because, <laughs> well, I can tell you. A no, that's the reasons. thing. DB is the blackest position in the game. A number of re- ways, not but, just literally. But interestingly – they don't get the hell the receivers get. Right? Like, the receivers get all the hell for basically these, the, the blacks are out of control. Yeah. Like, everything about it is just blackness run up.
1: I think it's because don't nobody want to do our job. <laughs> so, they're like, alright, go ahead. I don't really like what they're doing, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> so, they can go ahead and act
0: foolish. No. That's the thing that I say about um, like, D.I. Sanders, no matter what anybody wants to say, he has been deemed as perhaps the greatest of all time at the position that more people are the height and weight for, and nobody really wants to do. What do you do? I run backwards mm. all day long. It's like playing water polo
1: <laughs> except the person you're playing against is not in water or they got a, they got a yes. propeller behind them or something. It is definitely <laughs> like playing water polo against uh dolphins it's It's not fun and
0: they're probably taller than you yeah. right probably bigger
1: the um yeah the I remember I I talked to you about a piece that I was thinking about writing a long time ago about how the position is not only literally black, but symbolically or metaphorically is quite black and that they change the rules and nobody really wants you to succeed. It was much smarter than that when I (laughs) when I talked to you about that pitch. But it's very true. Don't nobody want you out there doing what you're doing. Everybody boo when you get a breakup. People want to see touchdowns. And it's one of the few places Well, I guess it's not one of the few places, it's probably pretty consistent across a lot of industries that the hardest job is not the job that gets the most credit or celebration. I mean, I guess Dion changed that a little bit and we respect DBs, but still, how can you be doing the, like, everyone appreciates that it's the most difficult physical thing to do on the field, but by and large, every fan base talks shit about their corners. Like, find me a fan base that's like, I love our corners.
0: No, 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 no. They don't talk shit about your corners. But there's a corner. We all got one. I've talked about this many times through the years, and I'm gonna say it again just because everybody the name goes off in your head immediately when you think of that corner who played for your team. Everybody knows whose mine is a dude by the name of Charles Toast Demory, who once gave let I <laughs> Jerry Wright scored five touchdowns on Charles Toes Jimry, and I just need somebody to explain to me, because Dion ain't never been afraid, right? I just need somebody to explain to me what the fuck he was doing <laughs> while Charles Toes Jimry was getting lit up for five touchdowns. I mean, yeah, the the Ravens, well see, you was rooting for the Ravens, so they would have one.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I, they didn't have one. That defense was ridiculous. Um uh yeah. And that's the point. Everyone has one. So why don't everybody just accept that we all have one. I guess it's kind of like how everybody complains if somebody farts around you. You're like, "That stink!" Like you, <laughs> like your farts don't stink. <laughs> it's, it's the hardest <laughs> shit that do. Like no one. It's rare that everyone has two. And these days, you need three good man coverage corners. You can't do it. You can't find three of them. I mean, forget three of them. You can't find sixty four of them at any given time. So let's just give them some credit. I, I had this fight when we were talking about um. The Eagles lost the other day, and I come in to get up the morning after, and people are like, man, they cooked Bradbury at the end of those games. Like, those are great throws and great catches, those fades over there. And one, DK Metcalf caught on his hip on a slant. Like, Bradbury's good coverage, a good corner. If they're going to throw it like that, and they're going to catch it in the rain on their fingertips like Njigba did, You can't blame Bradbury for that
0: shit. Get a sack like y'all did last year,
1: Eagles. Get some sacks. Where y'all at?
0: Let me tell you this, too. When there is a dominant corner, it is. Uh, I don't know. I went to the premiere for the 30 for 30 for uh, the Heisman race in 97. I don't know if my name is still, still on some list and people forgot, but I was like, all right, cool. I'll go. Right. So I show up and of course I don't work there no more. So I show up in sweats, like <laughs> I'm just out here living a different life. Charles Woodson clips of him and that Heisman trophy winning season. I forgot because this was my freshman year of college. Honestly, I had other stuff to do all Saturdays. Right. Yo. It was bananas watching how, un- like, when there is a corner that is clearly the best player on the field, like, I was thinking about Deion Sanders. Like, it looks different than any other position when a corner is just out here like, no, I run this. A cornerback won the Heisman, guys. The Heisman Trophy. The Heisman.
1: <laughs> it earned it. Yes, it earned it. He was pretty damn special. You know, I'm partial to Champ. I think Champ, uh, honestly, I think the season that he had... When I played opposite him was the best season that any cornerback has ever had because you got a third round pick corner playing opposite so you know where they're throwing. I think they only threw at him 53 times, 58 times that season. That motherfucker had eight interceptions. I, I mean I was, I with something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean my numbers may be off, but he had like eight. It was just ridiculous and working out with him. I still talk to champ. I love that guy. He's a great dude, but working out with him and trying to learn from him. Cause everybody's like, you going to be out there with champ. you going to learn so much. No, I'm not. I thought I was too. <laughs> no, I'm not. My, I can't well, this do that. Isn't, this isn't something you can learn. No, I can't. Would you like, it's like a regular person talking about, they going to get fast from hanging out with me. No, like he was his, <laughs> I, I want to make it clear that it's not just physical stuff, but it was the way, the speed at which his brain moved and sent messages to his body and the quickness with which they could react. And like the, Press technique is a lot about um, not being scared to get run by, keeping your body square and being able to move your feet and your hands at the same time, Um, like not synchronized, which may sound easy, like move your feet and hands at the same time. But you know how you walk and you run. Like normally your feet and hands are synchronized. Champ could do that shit like no problem. Like he could move his feet as if you were running to the left and just be shooting his hands. It was, I can't learn that. It's like uh, you got to rewire my brain. We ain't figured that that out yet. Just let me just figure out how I can play like a normal corner. All
0: right, I to ask you this before we get out of here: uh, How bad the Cowboys need to get themselves a dub uh, against Miami, and how unlikely is that? Like, I just see that when I look at the look on the scoreboard, and I see Dallas is the top name. I'm like, ooh, and the bottom team is good, ooh, ooh. like they Miami go try to run it down their throats too. Yeah, they are. Uh, they are. Um,
1: so a lot's been made about the road home stuff, and it's a lot about it takes away a bit of what Dak's superpower is. And that's like the Peyton Manning ability, the intelligence, um, the football knowledge to be able to get his team in the right play. And that requires a good deal of communication. So that's kind of been the book on what happens to their offense when they're on the road. Why they get run over, though? <laughs> Y'all don't need to talk for that. And I guess they got – yeah, they don't have perfect football players, and I guess that's the best way to put it is you're not going to be a great pass rusher. It's hard to be a great pass rusher and a great run stuffer, and they built their team, quite obviously, to play modern football, and which is why their record is really good. Their point differential is really good because most Sundays they're going to face teams that – they're well designed to defend and they're going to get sacks. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to get pressures. Uh, Dak is going to get them an early lead and they're going to be fine. But when they play one of these other teams that are completely comfortable with punching you in the mouth, it could be trouble. And the trouble is San Francisco may be the best team in football at doing that. So, and that's the one team they got to well, get to
0: they look light in the ass in yeah. that game against Buffalo. Like sometimes it ain't really science, right? Yeah. Like they just look light in the ass. Like that, that seemed to be what the issue was, was simply that. And I've, the argument's been made. It's going to be interesting to see who pulls it off. And maybe Shanahan in a way is the guy who's done it is that if you're building your team for modern football, then you are going to be susceptible for something like San Francisco or something like Miami. Like they, Miami figured out, okay, well, if we just get these really, really fast guys out here, we can accomplish with 21 personnel what you need 11 to do, right? We can put two backs and two receivers out here, but you got to get more people out here to spread this out, and we're just going to have the fastest dudes in the world. San Francisco, we got Debo. Okay, cool. That's how we're going to figure out how to get this done. And so once the linebackers went down to like 225, 230, and they just kind of bouncing around, the team that's set to beat them is the one that's ready to run it all. It's obvious when
1: you look at it, but you have to, in order to create some sort of competitive advantage, you have to go the opposite way than people are going. And it's clear that the, the advantages that people got from going spread was because our offenses were 21 personnel, I back formation and the defenses had run stuffer, nose tackles gilbert brown and them and big ass linebackers who can't run and so then they were like oh okay the offensive have changed so we're going to change our defenses to suit those offenses and now if you are a big powerful team there is some advantage to having a team that's that's good at that so I, i think we want to be able to to put some sort of foundational theory on what uh shanahan is doing but i think That's really it is looking at the personnel, looking at what you're going against and figuring out how you can attack uh, what's out there. I promise you, if somebody comes out there and base personnel with two with three big ass linebackers, they're not going to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. They're going to split his ass out and freak them
0: linebackers in space. So it's just about doing the opposite. Yeah, and then once they get them out there in space, they can't cheat like they used to. Like, I was thinking about how hard it is to play quarter, but I mm-hmm. bet it used to be fun yeah. back when you could just maul them dudes. <laughs> yeah, I remember throwing
1: kids out of bounds in college, and the, the talent disparity was nice. <laughs> that used to be so much fun.
0: Yo, that's the thing I think that gets forgotten about playing DB in college. College has much more liberal rules mm-hmm. about down, downfield contact. Like, there are a lot of really subtle rule differences between college football and the pros that I think we, we think about it when we watch yeah. and process in some ways, but we don't really – talk about out loud, but the one we don't talk about at all is that all that illegal contact, them five-yard Chuck rules and all of that,
1: college ain't got none of that. As long as the ball's not in the air, you good. And college also has a few guys on the field that don't belong out there. Which, When you get one of those, it's a great Saturday where you line up across like, oh, they ran out of scholarships, huh? Or the the one they got, the one (laughs) they wanted got hurt, or the one they wanted went somewhere else. Okay, I'm just going to sit right here and wait for my
0: interception. Thank you college also has that example like it didn't really apply to you but i just can't imagine how terrifying it is like the people talk about like watching that randy moss film can you imagine what it was like for that first year at marshall when they were playing one double a people and were and like people didn't have access to all this data and information and stuff on the computer and then somebody puts in the clips of marshall and they're like all right let's <laughs> woo. <laughs> Oh, gosh. You're just delusional. What are we going to do, boys? Hey, that's what that's, that's, I feel like. That's when the coach plays the film. And this is, all right, we'll open the floor to questions. <laughs> <laughs> Suggestions? Anybody got any ideas? <laughs> Yeah, like like if you ain't got no idea, I suggest you shut the fuck <laughs> up, right? Like that's what you tell anybody. If you if if you are not part of the solution, yeah, right. you are part of the problem. <laughs> what you got? Let's all work on this. Yeah, we were. Um, that was Florida.
1: I think that's my my Orange Bowl year, where it wasn't any one individual, but oh, you do. Oh, you, y'all knew it before you got there. We convinced ourselves that it was something different you know, but we kind of knew like we had worked ourselves up into a frenzy to think that we was going to do something, but we kind of knew there was, there was a a number of first rounders on that roster. And as we discussed before, they should have been national champs or at least in that game, but they had a a slip up and we had to pay for it. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. I told you my buddy, good buddy, Steve white rest in peace. He was like, I to say grad assistant at South Florida and they played a bowl game against uh north carolina state when north carolina state had manny lawson and john mccargo and mario williams right they had three first round picks but if mario jumped out And i think this is the this may have been the year that mario got drafted number one overall and the thing was he had loaded up on sacks in one game but didn't have a lot of sacks so it was very similar to miles garrett coming out where it was a question about well, you know he's got all the tools can he give it to you man steve said he sat in there and watched phil with those coaches because he worked on defense right they watched that film with mario williams he said he looked over at the offensive of coaches and was like so what y'all gonna do with that big joker they just started laughing and walked out
1: <laughs> like y'all got a plan? oh there is no plan for that there is no plan for that i I'm trying to think back. So, yeah, I think it was – I think I might have told you this before. Anquan Bolden gave me the blues in college, not because he was a great receiver, which he obviously turned out to be in the NFL, but because he was a fucking fullback playing wide receiver, and he just beat me up the whole damn game. Uh, I was a junior, and I thought I was good. And so when I got to the NFL my rookie year, we played them, and he was in Arizona. I tried to fight that man the whole first half. Uh, Eventually right before halftime he said something to the fact of like chill out what's wrong with you like we all out here just trying to work like no i just felt so stupid too because what was i gonna say no you roughed me up when i was a junior i was like
0: all right <laughs> fine <laughs> that was the end of that all right that is dominique foxworth check him out all the dominique foxworth show available all the places you can find this podcast you can also find the dominique foxworth show i appreciate you thank right. you all right, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Sean, I believe you have uh, picks for prizes for the people. I sure do have some picks, Bo. Uh, Sunday football, Raheem Mostert, .5 rush and reception touchdowns. I'll take more there. Amon Ra Ross St. Brown. Uh, same line, I'll take more there. Uh, my brother, Young Way Koo, 1.5 field goals made. I'll take more. And uh, you mentioned it earlier this week, James Cook. They're going to run the ball with him. 15 rush attempts. Let's take more there as well. By the way, One of my favorite things I've ever seen is when L Duncan talks about Young Way Ku. She uses hashtag ATL Way. ATL HOE. <laughs> like, like that's, that's the that's the that's, that's the one I'm right bad. there. ATL Way. I, I don't even know how many people in Atlanta know it's Young Way. Because honestly, that's not nearly as much fun. Yeah, agreed. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the right time we do this three times a week that's sean you he handles everything behind the scenes thank you sir and happy holidays to you all we will be back the first wednesday of january it feels like january 3rd either way that's when i'm gonna be back it ain't gonna be next week uh follow the right time subscribe like rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy